0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to LetterMonroe.com. I am Jeremy Birmingham, and this is Talking Stuff, the Ohio State Recruiting Podcast brought to you by Letterman Monroe and Buyers Automotive. If you're looking for an auto, head to BuyersAuto.com and find the best selection of new and used vehicles anywhere in central Ohio. And uh, if you're looking for Ohio State recruiting coverage, then this is the right place for you. Myself, Andrew Ellis, and Spencer Holbrook are going to break down the ins and outs of Ohio State football recruiting in the last few weeks, and uh, hopefully – Bring you some information that you find useful so uh enough of my yammering let's get to the show welcome to the show andrew spencer thanks for joining us on talking stuff it's been a while folks we understand that we've had a little staff transition at letterman row that threw us for a a mini loop uh right around the end of of the signing period in 2022 Then I've been on the road a lot. I was on a cruise, and then I was in Atlanta. Then I had laryngitis, and so now we're here. It's been a while since uh, we've talked in this format. But, guys, it's probably okay. Uh, February is sort of the down period of recruiting. Um, But today, March 8th, as we're recording this, certainly things are picking back up. We'll start just with the most recent news. That's Ohio State offering in-state linebacker Arvell Reese from Cleveland Glenville High School. And if, if you listen real close, you can hear the sound of an entire generation of Buckeye fans going, well, it's about time someone from Glenville got offered again. Uh, and that may be true. Arvell Reese actually spent his first two years at Euclid High School where he was uh, uh, playing defensive end and linebacker there. He's at the Ginn Academy now playing for Glenville in his uh, upcoming senior season. And it is good to see Ted Gibbs Jr. at practice on Tuesday. He gave like the, the, the opening speech to Ohio State. And if that's not an indicator that the Buckeyes are taking his program seriously again for the first time in a while, I don't know what it is.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I was the I was think I was in middle school or maybe early high school, the last time Ohio State offered somebody from Cleveland Glenville until now. And so I don't want to make you guys feel old, but I'm it's old. been a, it's been a long time. And so to get this pipeline going, going again, it would be huge. And to have, and here's the thing: like it's not like Ohio State's just ignored that area or that school. The, the players have not been good enough to play at Ohio State. And so I think that's one of the biggest things: is the talent is back. And I don't know if that's you know it's maybe skipped a little bit of a, a mini generation or if it just wasn't there for a few years, but it's there now. And so you can start to maybe maybe begin to rely a little bit on Glenville to produce one or two of these guys, uh, every now and then, Andrew, I know you're a big fan of Arvell
0: Reese's tape. What do you like about the offer?
2: Well, first of all, I mean, Cleveland Glenville just has always had a, a special place in my heart dating back to the Ted Ginn junior days, the Jamari O'Neill, Dante Whitner days, that kind of thing. Um, but I think he's, you know, he's like six three, two hundred and ten 210 pounds. He's got good size for a linebacker in high school. And I'm just excited to get this, uh, potential pipeline back up and running a little bit they could you know they could add, could add two years right back to back with um with adding a couple glenville guys with him and bryce west so uh this is a big move
0: yeah and it's not just those two damari and Witten, who's a tight end athlete in the class of 2024 is another guy that i'm just going to tell you he's going to end up getting an ohio state offer at some point point. and if you're talking about arvel reese and and he, his recruiting is just starting to take off at the best of the midwest combine uh, a couple weeks ago in Indianapolis he checked in at 63 210 pounds, ripped off back to back 46540 times this is a kid who's a really good athlete a player that Ohio State may have shown more interest in previously had his academics been in order and that's something that he knows he's got to take seriously uh, his offer is not contingent on anything different than anyone else's is it, it is it is about him taking care of his business from here and making sure that uh, he holds up his end of the bargain to keep that offer. Um, but, you know, as soon as the offer came in, I did put in a recruiting prediction machine choice for Ohio State uh, to land arvel Reese. I don't think it's really that big of a stretch to to say that, but it does speak to what Ohio State's doing at linebacker, or it does at least impact what Ohio State's doing at linebacker because we've talked for months about Troy Bowles. We've talked about – Recently, uh, Tackett Curtis from Many, Louisiana, who was also in the building at Ohio State on Tuesday making his first visit. I don't know, guys, but it seems to me like the focus for the Buckeyes right now is to maybe take two true linebackers every year and then fill in the rest of the hybrid roles. And if you offer Arvell Reese now, you got to be damn sure that he's a guy that is going to take one of those spots because you are in essence eliminating the recruitment of a lot of other guys' potential.
1: Absolutely. And I think that that's that's one of the biggest things here. That's a message that Ohio State is sending, in my opinion. Like, if you're going to offer Arville Reese at this moment, you know the consequences that that may come with, or you know the message that it sends to not only Arville Reese, but to other linebackers. Like, hey, there's a guy, you know, an hour and a half, two hours from here that's just as good that that we think we can make into a a player that's just as good to be at Ohio State as, as others. And so it's going to be an interesting time at linebacker because like you said, there's only two guys on the field at once. There's only a couple guys they're going to take in each class and Arvo Reese may well be one of them. And so it just creates a little bit of a, not really an issue, but, but an interesting time to be uh, recruiting linebackers at Ohio State.
2: Yeah. And we all know they don't, you know, Ohio State doesn't just hand out in-state offers to anybody. So I think it says says a lot about how they feel about him early on. And, you know, Burn, like you said, as long as he kind of keep, keeps his end of the bargain up, then I would agree with your uh, prediction that you just put in.
0: Yeah, and I think what's interesting right now is that it does not sort of naturally flow into this conversation. In the class of 2023, I, I wrote about two months ago that I thought that Ohio State would really be focused on building this class from Ohio out. Uh, And and at that point, when I wrote that, there was no Luke Montgomery in the class. There was no Will Smith in the class. Uh, But now you have Josh Padilla, you have Luke Montgomery, you have Will Smith. You have offers out to Malik Hartford and Arvel Reese and uh, Austin Saraveld. And so now if you can get 25% of this class from Ohio to start the cycle, uh, and I'm not going to predict a timeline for Hartford or Sarah Veld Hartford is visiting Ohio State on on Thursday with his parents. I'm not going to say that something happens right then, but I wouldn't be surprised if all three of those guys have decisions made by the end of the spring because while you certainly aren't wanting to rush anyone uh, if you're Ohio State, it's not their MO, you also need to make sure these Ohio kids understand that the offer that they get this early comes with – Uh, a responsibility to be a class leader for Ohio State football Uh, and that's why you have to offer kids that you know darn well like I said are are not only going to be contributors at Ohio State down the road there's no there's no depth building at this point for the Ohio State roster The, the transfer portal everything else that's happened has changed the way you recruit so significantly that it's not a situation where you're saying hey you know let's offer a guy who we know is going to stay four or five years because that's just not good that's not the case anymore
1: uh everyone is looking for a chance to play so you got to know these guys can play absolutely and I think that that's one of the biggest deals here and the biggest uh almost responsibilities I like that word you use there's a responsibility there for those in-state guys to to take the mantle of you know a collective captain Buckeye. and I said that before, like CJ Hicks, there might not be a CJ Hicks in this class, even if Luke Montgomery will be the class leader. The 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 state is so talented this year, in my opinion, that there can be a group effort in getting those guys from the national circuit and from California and Florida to understand, you know, hey, if you come in here, you're gonna have this group of guys on campus with you. And I think that's one of the things that not only Josh Padilla and Will Smith and Luke Montgomery can do. But if Arvo Reese can get in the class, if you can get Saravota in the class, if you can get, you know, a couple other of these really talented players in Malik Hartford, you can really start to build this thing out. And it's going to be a bigger class for Ohio State. I don't know if we've seen a class this big at Ohio State than what we're about to see in 23. And so if you can get, like you said, Burm, 25 percent of this class knocked out in Ohio. The rest of it is all taking big swings on the national stage and letting those national guys understand, like, hey, the in-state stuff is done. Here's who's in front of you. Here's who's behind you. And this is exactly what we want.
2: Yeah. We, we talked last time about building the fence around Ohio and just kind of having that foundation inside the state of Ohio. And um, I mean, Luke Montgomery has been recruiting guys like heck on social media and um, just kind of having that foundation laid so close to home. That's, that's never a bad thing.
0: No, because as we're seeing around the country right now, you're seeing a lot of movement elsewhere, uh, there, this spring is going to be very busy for Ohio State. We're not going to deep dive into every visitor who's coming this spring, but you know, even just this week alone, it, you have an opportunity for Ohio State. I would be shocked if they don't offer Chris Vezina uh, or Vezina, sorry, from Alabama, the quarterback uh, who's coming up on Thursday. That offer is going to come um, when when he gets to campus. I'm pretty sure. That changes the game. Now you start to see some movement for the Buckeyes. Olaf Salinin, the offensive lineman from uh, the Luma School in, in Connecticut, is visiting on Wednesday. Bryson Rogers, so the four star receiver, is at Ohio State right now and into Wednesday morning. There, there's some real opportunities to get things moving here. Um, but it's still fascinating to me to see that Ohio State's priorities haven't changed a lot in the last year, despite the fact that there are a number of coaching changes that happen. And you would think that that would play some sort of role in adjusting the board a little bit. But if the guys that have been there, Richard Young, um, A.J. Harris, Caleb Downs, these are still the guys that I think make or break the class, no matter how well they start off in Ohio. And and you have to go through and, and really finish this out. And I know that there's this conversation about Florida. Because there's so many guys down there that the Buckeyes are recruiting: Rogers, uh, Richard Young, Brandon Ennis, um, uh, Carnell Tate, John Walker, Derek LeBlanc, uh, all these other guys, Peyton Turkland, and Malik uh, Bryant to a degree. But I think people are focused on the wrong guys a little bit when we talk about it. Because what happened to LeBlanc? What happened? At this point, he visited three times last summer. But it seems pretty clear that there's not a, a huge amount of reciprocal interest between those two sides as Florida, Miami, and others start to emerge. So, you know, I I think that Ohio State is just focusing right now and saying, who do we know we want in this class and doing everything they can to lock up those guys first, and then you let the the tweeners, the guys that are a little bit on the periphery come into
1: focus as you head into the summer. Well, and, Berm, you you hit it on the head, but also like – you're not going to see a lot of priority shifting at Ohio state as you are with maybe 99.9% of the programs in the country, because instead of, you know, Justin Fry or Perry Aliano taking this job and saying like, this is who I like. It's like, Hey, this is the top rated guy in the country, go recruit him. Like it's not. And and there is some of that, like, who do you like, who do you want? Like, which guys do you really like, but like five-star kids are five-star kids for a reason and top rated kids are top rated kids for a reason. These recruiting services are really good at what they do. And so, you're not stepping into a a Minnesota or an Iowa and finding like the right fit. Uh, Well, to an extent you are, but you know what I'm trying to say. Like you have to recruit the top of the top talent at Ohio State. And so the priorities can't shift just because you make a coaching change. You have to continue to go after the biggest fish in the ocean. And so I just think that's an interesting thing. Like you you want fit, you want guys that are gonna exactly fit what Jim Knowles wants to do, what Justin Fry wants to do, what Ryan Day wants to do. But also you have to realize that Fit only goes so far, and talent will take you the rest of the way. And you've got to have the most talented players you can possibly find. And I think it's a balance that Ohio State's been finding for a long time. They're going to continue to find it. Like I said, fit only goes so far, though.
0: You know, Andrew, we've talked about so much in the last few years about the Ohio State mindset of finding one soft region in the country and exploiting it. And then when those bigger schools in that area uh, rise back to the top, find another one to move on. Right now the Southeast is, is as difficult to recruit as it's ever been. California is uh, at this point pretty much off limits, um, you know, with the exception of, you know, Rico Flores, the Buckeyes are moving well there. Um, but that's just because Brian Hartline is so elevated above everyone else at wide receivers coach that he sort of has the ability to to sneak into these areas. Texas with A and M with Texas, with every like, isn't it just that Ohio State has to recruit Ohio a little bit differently now? Do you think that that's part of this? And also, I think that's why a state like Georgia continues to be so vital for the Buckeyes because I, I said this last year when I went down to the Under Armour camp in Atlanta. There's like 60 players there that are Ohio State caliber players in the Atlanta metro region essentially and that's the same case in the class of 2023 and 2024 as well so like Georgia can't take everyone so the Buckeyes just have to focus on those best relationships in these other areas and take advantage of it that's why someone like AJ Harris who they've been a part of this recruitment for so long it doesn't feel like they've had to back off there despite coaching changes.
2: No, I mean, you're exactly right. As far as some of these regions go, um, there's just so many guys in Georgia that are, that are good. And, uh, even if you can just pluck maybe one or two guys from down there every couple of years, whether it's AJ Harris, I know Alabama, Georgia in that area, or, or maybe somebody like a Caleb down, they tried for Kristen Miller, they couldn't get him, um, but I, I mean, when you're looking at these regions, you know, they've plucked a couple guys from the Pacific Northwest over the last couple of years, but now that's usually kind of another one of those USC regions. And with Lincoln Riley returning there, who really knows what's going to happen. Um, but if they can land in AJ Harris, that's, I mean, he's the number one player on our board right now for the, for the 2023 class, at least defensively. So if they can make that happen, Tim Walton's put in a lot of work on that sounds like I know you spoke with AJ a couple of weeks ago, Berm, um, but it, sounds, it seems like Ohio State's in a great spot with that one right now.
1: It's interesting to me because you look at all of the different regions. We're, we've, just, we've discussed this now. Like Tennessee, they, they made Tennessee a little bit of a, of a, not a pipeline, but they tried to get into Tennessee. Josh Heupel's recruiting pretty well at Tennessee right now. Georgia is Georgia. Florida is Florida. Then you look at North Carolina. Mack Brown recruits pretty well right now. Virginia, Tony Elliott is going to probably recruit pretty well because it's a new regime and everything. Then you start to head west. Texas has, has coaches that are not going to back off. It's going to be hard to get into Texas. Even a place like Arizona, while there's turmoil at Arizona State, Jed Fish is starting to build some momentum in Arizona. You go into California, and can you get in there? Probably not. Pacific Northwest, Dan Lanning is a new coach. Kalen Devore is a new coach. And so, like, every area the Buckeyes usually try to attack Right now is as hard as it's ever been to get into that area, that specific area. And so, you know, do you look? It's it's really odd to say it's like, do you look at the Northeast where there are there is a weird amount of talent this year in like Massachusetts and Connecticut? Or do you look at, you know, do you look at up at Michigan and try to make inroads up there when you know you have some success there, but it's also you're recruiting against your chief rival. Like there are a lot of questions about where exactly the buckeye should go. And instead of doing all of that, figuring out, they're just looking inward. And I think it's a really good strategy for them to start inward, get that base, and then figure out maybe the small pockets you can kind of prod and poke and try to find your way into. Yeah,
0: and there's areas out there like Maryland, for example, that are continuing to stay um, healthy. uh, The reality is Ohio State is somewhat recession-proof as far as college football goes. And they certainly, I don't care who the coach is at Virginia, he's not going to impact Ohio State as a, as a college football recruiting yeah, effort. right? Um, you know, certainly there's pride to stay in the DMV for a lot of those kids. You saw that with Maryland when uh, Mike Oxley took over, but that's gone now. That's faded away and, and no longer relevant. So now you're back to that basic battle with uh, Penn State for, for those kids if you really go after them. Um, you know, but I think in this class, if you look at going back to Georgia, to me, like, with A.J. Harris, with Caleb Downs, and now with Kay and Lee back on the on the open market because he decommitted from Georgia last week, if the Buckeyes are able to find three of their four defensive backs in this class, and I, I'm of the, of the mindset that they probably would take five if they could three corners or two two corners and three safeties, um, there's an opportunity to really make some some noise down there, and I think that Ohio State is in the top two for each one of those guys. Um, And each one of them could potentially be an important domino for the others because they are all close, especially Downs and and Harris. Those two work out regularly together. They train together. Um, It's a little bit different with Kay and Lee, but but Buckeyes did just hire Miguel Patrick, um, who was one of his former coaches at uh, Cedar Grove High School. So now you do have a a little bit more of a tie-in there. Uh, But they're in a good position with each of those guys. And if you look at this safety class and you could find a way to add Caleb Downs as the starting point with Malik Hartford, and then you play a little bit of see what happens, you know, because you do obviously have Cedric Hawkins committed already. Um, You have some pieces that are really flexible and movable, and uh, that that even – ignores the possibility of Jonell Yero, uh, who, who's very high in Ohio State. But there's a lot of moving parts. But I think you just want to focus on the guys that you've spent so much time and, and relationship capital in in the last year, rather than trying to branch out and find a bunch of new dudes at this point.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. The, the class of 2023, we're going to learn – a lot about like Ohio State's recruiting strategy because it's kind of diff- difficult to figure it out when you've got a new defensive coordinator who wants more safeties on the field than he does defensive linemen. And so it, it's just a, a, a weird thing that we're in right now where it's like, okay, how many of these guys do you take? What's the what's the number here? And when you, when you talk about being in the lead or being in the top two for some of these really big targets, that's where you start to get into the going from a top five class to a top or three class and i think that's one of the things the buckeyes can push for knowing that they're going to take this number of guys this year and because i think it's going to be 25 or 26 uh maybe even 27 depending on with the roster shakeout because they're going to lose so many guys off of this roster but yeah it's it's interesting if if you get caleb downs in this class i mean you got a shot
0: andrew I, i know that you are as invested in the agent harris recruitment as any person in america you send me, you send me updates and comments and statements and stories about him. I mean, every day.
2: Yeah. Sometimes multiple times a day, I think. Maybe. Um,
0: how do you handicap it from here, knowing that it's March 8th as we're recording this will be March 9th when this goes uh, public, but you know, he was supposed to make a decision two months ago. Uh, he, He probably was going to pick Ohio State on January 11th until Kerry Combs decided he wasn't returning to Columbus. I know that your concern has been that that was too much for Ohio State to overcome. Do you see or do you believe that the influence of Dre Bly or Corey Raymond is enough to upend Ohio State at this point?
2: Um, I do not, and I'll be—I'll be honest. When when Kerry comes left, I was under the impression that that meant no AJ Harris for Ohio State, and I've kind of done a complete one eighty on that. Uh, in part because of Tim Walton, just the job he's done. I know AJ spoke very highly of him when he talked to you the other week. Um, he didn't make his trip to Clemson last week. I don't know if that was set in stone or if that was kind of a tentative thing to begin with. But I don't see Florida or North Carolina or Alabama or anyone kind of reclaiming the lead in that recruitment. I don't know who we would even say is in second right now. Um, it, it seems to me like he could be one of the next commits for Ohio State. That's just my theory right now.
0: You know, Spencer, I think the interesting thing about this, and there's always this like new coach bump when it happens on the recruiting trail, especially with head coaches. That's not always the case with assistant coaches uh, who are, not really the face of a program and they're not really the the guy that's being counted on to bring in a new energy, especially when you're replacing someone like Gary Combs who is known for his energy. But the responses that we're seeing and hearing from recruits about Perry Eliano, about Tim Walton, about Justin Fry, and even about Jim Knowles who is not brought in to necessarily be a, a, a ace recruiter. It's been pretty clear that these guys have done a great job. Caleb Downs, Uh, Aguero both have said that their recruitment and their relationship with Ohio state is better now than it was before AJ Harris won't say that exact same thing, but he's definitely said that it is where it was and it's, it's maybe not as good, but it's different and still very good. Um, Well, you know, we've seen offensive linemen say the same thing, but the, this spring, again, I don't want to do too much of a, a big picture with visitors for the spring, but Right now we have Olas Alinnen uh, uh, visiting this week, but there's still no visit set for Chase Pasantis. There's still no visit set for Samson Okanola. I'm sorry. Uh, and, and the Buckeyes are out of the top seven for Caden Proctor and are not getting back in that one, it seems. Do you think that this spring is a much bigger deal for Justin Fry than we've talked about? What are you uh, let, about. Let, let's say if he if he loses Austin Saraveld somehow to Notre Dame or Alabama, and doesn't get either one of Basantis or Okalola on campus this spring to really sort of move the dial there. Do you anticipate
1: that people will panic? Absolutely, they'll panic. It's going to be wonderful content. But OK, so first of all, you talked about how the coaching changes have made the relationships just as good, if not better. I did see Jim Knowles with a yellow cup of coffee. So maybe he just is Kerry Combs, just different. I mean, have you thought of that? I mean, I I think what's most interesting
0: about the coffee situation at Ohio State is that I always – Kerry always had coffee, and then we see Jim Knowles having it. But it's always the McDonald's coffee cup. Like, do they not have coffee cups inside of the Woody Hayes Athletic Center? You'd figure – Jim Knowles talked about it on Tuesday. He has all the resources he'd ever want as a coach, everything he ever dreamt of having as a coach he now has at his disposal,
1: except for in-house coffee cups apparently. I guess so, but whatever coffee cups he's using, I think he's doing a really good job on the recruiting trail. Back to the Justin Fry point. I think Justin Fry was brought in. If you wanted to keep Greg Sedrawa as an offensive line coach, you probably could have gotten away with it. But Ryan Day knew the recruiting side of things was not where it needed to be. Justin Fry is at Ohio State to be a recruiter, also to, to make the offensive line what it should be, but to be a recruiter. And so to not have those visits scheduled in the spring is a little bit concerning right now, but you don't know, maybe, maybe they're in the works or maybe there's some different holdups or hangups that are going on behind the scenes. We don't know about, but you have to get some guys on campus that are, that are big fish. You have to really start to swing and, and, you know, whether you swing and miss is one thing, but you have to start to take those swings and you took one with Caden Proctor, it didn't work out. It doesn't seem like it's going to work out. I will be stunned if they get back in that recruitment. Maybe I'll be wrong. I don't think I will be. But with Samson Lola, did I say that correctly? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think. And, and Austin Sarabelle. That's how I said it. And Chase Besontis, Like Those are pretty now, That one I think swings. you said wrong.
0: I don't, think it's a, I don't think it's a long O there. I don't think it's a Besontis. Maybe it is. Basantis? Yeah, that's how Besontis. I'm saying it.
1: Yeah. Okay. Well... I guess I'm bad then, but you around. have to. Oh, yeah, let's really just call should. him Chasey B from now on. <laughs> okay. Chasey B. You've, can we get his permission before we do that? But you have to be able to, to take those swings, get those guys on campus and let them see at least what's in front of them and what they could do under a new offensive line coach. Uh, I don't know if they maybe realized how much ground they had to make up with all these guys when, when they, you know, let go of Greg draw and brought in Justin Fry, but there's a lot of ground to be made up. And, and right now is the time to do it. You can't wait until the summer. You can't wait until fall. You've got to get that ground made up now. And so maybe there is a little bit of pressure on Justin Fry. I hadn't really thought of it that way because I think he's going to do a really good job as the offensive line coach. But yeah, maybe there is some pressure on him right now that, uh, that, that they need to get some stuff done in this spring. Yeah, for sure. Andrew, you look like you have something to uh, say.
2: No, I was just going to say, I think it's important to remember that he does have two offensive linemen committed already. Granted, those are uh, two in-state guys that most people would just say Ohio State should be getting commitments from. Right, those are
0: players that would have committed to Ohio State if Mickey Mouse was the
2: offensive line coach. Fair point. Probably. probably. But I guess to to answer your question, if Austin Cereveld commits to Notre Dame tomorrow, is there going to be a freak out? Yes. But there's not going to be that. There's not going to be that super freak out until Ohio state is in the lead for a five-star tackle like JC Latham. And then Alabama sneaks in and, and, and grabs him. That's, that's when the true freak out is going to happen. And poor Justin Fry is probably going to experience that sometime during his tenure in Columbus. Hopefully that's not in the class of 2023.
0: Because the need for tackle at this point, tackle and cornerback and running back are my three positions that are absolutely the most important in this class for Ohio state. And, uh, right now they don't have anyone at any one of those spots committed. And the big fish that they're recruiting at those spots are all very, very involved with a number of the country's best programs. Um, and that's what happens when you're recruiting at Ohio State and for Ohio State. You're going to be going up against Alabama and Georgia and uh, Clemson and all these schools. Um, but we watched in the last few years with the J.C. Lathams, with the Ernest Greens, uh, even you know the Keontae Goodwins, et cetera, There was a moment in each of those recruitments where it felt like it was almost a foregone conclusion that Ohio State was going to be the winner uh, and then they weren't and and now you have, as Spencer said, I think a lot more ground to be made up with guys like Chase Pasantis and and Samson Okunlola um, to 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 really get back in that conversation so it's super important that they get on campus this spring so uh, I don't want to meander too much more around just random conversation topics we did post on the letterman lounge the On 3 uh, ohio state forum for lettermanrow.com some questions and said hey what do you guys want to talk about uh what are the, what do the subscribers want us to talk about on this show so right now i'm going to turn it over to spencer he's going to pick two or three topics and we're going to run through those and give some thoughts uh to wrap up this episode of talking stuff presented by ourselves so spencer take the lead
1: Well, as scatterbrained as we've been, we've actually covered quite a few of the questions or concerns that people have had. So I'm pretty proud of us right now. So, I mean, we've we've got that going for us. Um, This is an open-ended one that I wanted to start with, and then we can go to the close end ones to end it. Um, But number one from Bixman419. I want to shout these people out because they're paying customers. Um, 419? Toledo? Yeah. Well, Lima, the area, St.
2: Mary's, Uh, I think. It's
1: definitely Toledo. No No. no one from Lima (laughs) puts 419 in there in their handle that's true i i did it for 21 years i don't believe you wow so okay so this question it's not really a question either ohio state wins the recruiting crown if now we're march 8th we're a long time from signing day but there's a possibility with the guys that they're recruiting right now that that could happen i mean we're not talking about anything crazy to to get that thing done ohio state wins the recruiting crown if andrew go first
2: Nick Saban and/or Kirby Smart resign. Like, I really think that's the only way to handle it because Alabama is not going. Alabama and Georgia are not going to change their tactics for the numbers that they take for every class. And I mean, props to them for finding a way to to do what they do. Um, I I just, even for a big class, what's expected to be a big class for Ohio State, I just, I would be pretty surprised if that did happen. If you're looking at like average rating, average rating per prospect, that would be a different story. But total score. I just don't see it happening.
0: Think about the class of 2021 Ohio state signed seven five-star players and still finished yeah. second. Exactly. It's, it's at this point, it's not like a loss it, it, as long as they finish in the top three uh, it's, it's the best class in the country in, in their mind. And so um, there's nothing you can, the Buckeyes could go out and sign Richard Young, sign Brandon and sign Carnell Tate and, um, you know, sign AJ Harris, sign Caleb Downs, sign Cormani McLean. They would still not finish first. It's just, just not the way it's going to go anymore. And uh, the goal is to not fall behind too many more SEC programs. The goal is to make sure that last year when you have A and jump into the picture, that this year it's not A Georgia, Bama, and LSU. And the next year, it's, you know, it's and then next next year it's not Texas, uh, LSU, A and Bama, Georgia. So it, it's really about maintaining their place in that uh, top three, as opposed to upsetting it or taking over the number one spot, because that's just not realistic
1: at this point. Okay. Well, that's, that's why the people are here. They need a little bit, a dose of honesty has never hurt anyone. Burn. Uh, okay. So Tommy Brady 20 asks, likelihood of landing each receiver target is three. The number of receivers take that they're taking. And he says, it feels like Bryson Rogers and Cardinal tape may be at the top of the Realistic chances of landing. Is anyone else creeping into that territory? Uh, I, I would
0: say starting with the three is, is the number thing. That is the ideal number, I think. But as we already talked about, roster changes happen so frequently that if you lose a couple guys that you don't expect to, if Cameron Babb ends up either leaving because he feels like he can play somewhere else or decides to hang him up for, for good because he gets hurt again or something, unfortunate like that if you have guys leave early if you have other random stuff happen I wouldn't be surprised if if Brian Hartline tried to sneak in a fourth especially someone who may be a little smaller or more of like a return specialist type I know that uh, the Buckeyes would love Jaquez Petaway in that sort of role if they were able to take a fourth Uh, not that he wouldn't be welcome as one of the top three but if it if it settled down to that I think he's the type of player that you could look at and say hey, this is a guy or maybe even Anthony Brown at that point, if, if you really need a return guy, um, I mean, realistic chances. I, I don't – maybe I'm a homer, maybe I have scarlet glasses here, but Brian Hartline has proven he can get pretty much anyone he wants. Uh, and so to me, the chances are just as good with Brandon Innes as they are with Bryson Rogers or with Enrico uh, Flores or Noah Rogers, who I think after seeing him in Atlanta two weekends ago, I think he's really, really good. Um, if I had to just like put it in a totem pole of order list, I, I think Carnell Tate, Rogers, and Innis would be the top three. Uh, and then anyone else after that shuffles in. And each of them would be a take right now if they tried to, to commit.
2: Yeah, I totally agree. That first weekend of April, I think, is when all those guys are going to be on campus too. So that's going to be a huge weekend for, uh, for Heartline.
0: Well, it's not even just that. I mean, it's also the weekend that Dylan Rayola, the number two ranked quarterback in the country in the class of 2024, is going to be back at Ohio State. So, you know, when you're starting to talk about the next wave of of quarterback and wide receiver relations, that's a big deal. I don't know what Ohio State's going to do a quarterback in 2023. I think they're starting to get a little bit more aggressive with Dante Moore. So that could be interesting if that opens up some doors. But we could we'll talk about that another time, but wide receiver, there's six guys, seven guys that are all very legitimate options, and uh, Heartline would take as many of them as Ryan Day allows him to.
1: All right, and then final question um, it's an interesting one. I know that we talked about his former high school coach landing at Ohio State now, but is there any real momentum with I think it's Kay and Lee, is that as I say his name? Uh, yeah, uh, of course, there's momentum.
0: I mean, he's he's no longer committed to the school that he grew up loving and dreaming of playing for, uh, and so that's that's clearly not a bad thing, Andrew. I mean, his new his former coach is now at Ohio State. That's not a bad thing. He loved Ohio State. They were the clear number two when he picked Georgia. That's not a bad thing. Uh, so yeah, there's momentum, but now you got to get him back on campus, right?
2: Yeah, and you're battling the home state program. That's the reigning national champion. So that's never easy, but it seems to be trending in the right direction right now, just based on what's going on. So,
1: so I don't want to interrupt and I just want to make this quick, but like, I think one of the problems that Ohio state fans have is they see a kid from Georgia who grew up a Georgia fan decommit from Georgia, and they still just want to really hit that brake pedal. They don't want to get excited. Like with Kristen Miller, there was a legitimate chance for Ohio state to land Kristen Miller for a long time. And yeah, Ohio I mean, he, State, he silently
0: committed to the Buckeyes like three times.
1: So that, and, that's, uh, and Ohio, But Ohio State fans still were kind of soft playing that of like, I'm not expecting us to land Kristen Miller. And the reason is because that, that in-state G on the helmet carries a lot of weight. It is hard to get guys out of Georgia. And so I think part of this is everyone wants to know if there's real momentum with Kane Lee because they're being very tepid on their expectations. And I think that's sure. a little – Uh, you know, totally understandable because I think think it's understandable.
0: There's a, there is still, and I don't mean to cut you off. There's still a better chance in my mind that K and Lee signs with Georgia than Ohio state at this point. Um, But I think what actually plays to Ohio in favor, if you're looking for reasons to feel optimistic, the Buckeyes only signed two corners in the class of 2022 Uh, Georgia, I think signed uh, 11, something like that. I don't know. Um, They, they did they've restocked. They get pretty much anyone they want at this point. Uh, and I think that Ohio State losing a guy like Jaheim Singletary to Georgia last year could have a benefit this year because the Buckeyes secondary and cornerback options are very limited after the class of 2022. Uh, and you're going to lose Denzel Burke probably by the time that and Lee would be on campus and ready to go. Uh, and, and then you have Jordan Hancock who's uh, uh, elevating himself on, on a path to be a two-year guy and, and out so there's an option there's an opportunity uh there's no doubt that ohio state is going to talk about that over and over and over again um and sure you they're in as good a position as anyone including georgia but especially you got i mean it's the same thing if, if the roles were reversed like we talked about luke montgomery and the michigan fans and notre dame fans oh well, there's a chance there's a chance but they always like in the back of the red like well he's gonna end up at ohio state um, you just have to be realistic and understand that not every kid is the same. And that's the important thing to really understand. Every kid is built and wired differently. And some of them are looking for a reason to go away. And yeah. maybe that's what Kayan is into. Maybe that's what, you know, he, he said it on his social media a number of times and since he decommitted, he, he's looking for his own path. And, you know, for Ohio State's sake, hopefully he does. He, he AJ Harris and Kay and Lee were absolutely the one and two on the Buckeye's list at corner uh six, seven months ago. Maybe there's some other guys getting into that mix now with Cormani McLean visiting and stuff, but
1: who knows? <clears throat> yeah, yeah just, I
2: mean, what, go ahead.
1: I just I just think that there's a little bit of uh trepidation there. And or you know, the Ohio State fans are a little tepid in trying to figure out if if he's a realistic target. And I I absolutely think he is because you know, if you decommit from Georgia, Georgia's gonna find another five-star guy to go after. And you know, you can really play up that that. Uh, you know, you are a priority deal, especially against a school that that he's in the home state of. You could you could really do some work there. Andrew, ten seconds, and we got to wrap it up.
2: No, that, that trepidation is justified. Um, I would say that for every Jackson Carmen, what Jackson Carmen did to Ohio State, Georgia has guys that do that to them. Alabama has guys that do that to them. Georgia's already got a, a top fifty corner committed in the class, so we'll see.
0: That's it. That's Talking Stuff presented by Buyers Auto. I'm Jeremy Birmingham. That's Spencer Holbrook and Andrew Ellis. Thanks for watching. We'll see you next time.